It's time for the Rich Eisen Podcast. Larry David here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Now, when you're watching a game, do you look at the game and see a job on the field that you think you can do? Okay, first of all, there's no question in my mind that I could be an offensive coordinator. None other than Charles Barkley. There's two things. Uh, there's slight concussion and a slight heart attack. It's only a slight concussion and a slight heart attack when it happens to other people. I'm completely surrounded by management, and I am flouting the wardrobe policy here. Thankfully, I've got Peter King on the phone right now. You'll never guess how I'm dressed. Uh, I would ask you to text me a picture, but that would be a problem, certainly from where I'm currently sitting. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Presented by Papa John's, here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to a new, fresh edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. Fifteen National Football League regular season weeks are in the books here in 2010. And guess what? Only a dozen teams have been eliminated from playoff contention. That means we always do the math for you here to keep it simple. 20 teams are still alive with two regular season weeks to be played. In week 16, we've got two games on NFL Network. Thursday night football, the Steelers having lost to the Jets, taking on the now two-win Carolina Panthers. Can Jimmy Clausen stick it to the black and gold? Tune in to Thursday Night Football. And then two days later, it's our two-banger week. Christmas night, the Dallas Cowboys at the Arizona Cardinals. There are no playoff implications. I really can't say anything else, but please watch the game. Spend Christmas night with me, Dion, Mariucci, Marshall, Papa, Millen, and Theismann. And a cast of other thousand, uh, thousands. We have uh, a big game in Week 16. The Saints, having lost to the Baltimore Ravens, despite that, they still have a win and in scenario in Week 16. All they've got to do is just beat the NFC-leading Atlanta Falcons, the first team in the NFC to clinch a playoff spot. They can clinch the NFC South with a win on Monday Night Football. We've got two uh, folks who are involved in that game on this podcast. The New Orleans Saints head coach, Sean Payton. We're going to fire up Saints cam for him. He's going to sit on team cam, and we're going to simulpot it up. We're going to have him uh, chatting on uh, Saints team cam. You'll see that on Around the League and also NFL Total Access, and the whole conversation will be on the podcast. Mike Tarico of ESPN's Monday Night Football. They are broadcasting the game. It's the season finale of Monday Night Football. He will join us on the podcast later on as he's fresh off of the University of Minnesota Farva-Palooza that broke out out of nowhere amidst the freezing cold and snow. The Chicago Bears got past the initial Favre wave to not only knock Favre out of the game, but knock the Packers out of contention in the NFC North. They are the first division-clinching team in the NFC. Normally, I would lead the podcast with Coach Payton. Normally, I would lead the podcast, as always, with a player. But based on what happened to the New York Giants this past week, losing in the dramatic, mind-blowing fashion in which they lost, I have to lead with senior producer of NFL Network, The Worm, Jason Wormser, since so many people were tweeting during that uh, final throws and after the game to see if Worms had had indeed exploded and popped off of his neck. The worm's on the podcast, first and foremost. How are you, worm? Are you okay? I'm, uh, I'm better. I'm better. You're bitter? I'm better and oh, bitter. Oh, better and bitter. I was more bitter going to bed Sunday night than I was in the aftermath. Now, it wasn't the shock of it. It was more like, well, I had to work that I had stuff to do. But when I got home and I really started thinking about it, mm-hmm. 
it was like, wow, there needs to be many people held accountable for that. You want heads rolling. Heads have to uh, roll. Well, heads won't have to roll if they take care of business this week. But at the time, hmm. at the time, I was thinking about one book that I read, the Ernie Corsi book, GM, mm-hmm. where he said his biggest regret as general manager of the New York football giants, where he had great success, was after the debacle in San Francisco, which I was on the field for, standing five feet from Mooch the entire game as the Fox Red Hat, the guy who tells the back judge, Scott Green, mm-hmm. who screwed up in that game. Who's now an official. Who's now a head right, official right, right, and head did head the head. Super Bowl last year, mm-hmm. right? When to go to break, when not to go to break. So you were on the field for that game. I was on the field for the entire game. Basically, I said after Shockey dropped the touchdown, mm-hmm. which would have made it, I believe, a four-possession game, that the Giants will lose this football game. To the people in the truck, they all said, I'm out of my mind. I said, get back to me in 90 minutes. Just as we all did watching this game when you were up by 21 and you were going absolutely ape. That's when you were most screaming and yelling. And in and, and order to soften the blow for you, Worm, I, as I, we're gonna, yeah. I know you haven't finished, but in order to soften the blow for mm-hmm. you, we've teamed you up on this podcast, the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. I don't know if I got the sponsor. We teamed you up with a man who knows football heartache. Oh, yes. He knows it deep down mm-hmm. to his body and soul and core. And he knows about suffering. He knows about suffering. The long suffering Buffalo Bills fan, one of the funniest guys yes, that, uh, that we know. Uh, he writes on NFL.com. He's appeared on NFL Network, also on ESPN for many years. The tale of the tape man himself, Nick Bakai. How are you, Nick? Well, I'm I'm here. I'm flattered to be here, and I'm uh, I'm an empathic Nick Bakai. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to tell you, listening to you, first of all, I want to tell you, if you really want to get a page turner on Sunday nights, try earning a Corsi's romance novel. <laughs> Is that the one with Fabio on the cover? Yeah, absolutely. They often involve no, no, pirates it, and damsels. It, it's Fabio with, with Johnny U. Fabio and Johnny, yeah, so which one's shirtless? I can't tell. Take off the high tops. Yes, because <laughs> I mean, Nick. I mean, you know, you know, heartache I and do. pain. I because do. I mean, the bottom line is, worm. As well, well, don't worry, we'll let you get everything off your chest yeah. and walk it through. Walk through how you saw this uh, deterioration way before it actually happened but with the, the Giants yeah. against the Eagles. We'll get to that in yeah. a minute. But the bottom line is this: the Giants are still. In control of their own destiny. C. Still winning in. All I got to do is win in Green Bay, C. potentially against Matt Flynn, who, who played beyond his years for 59 and a half minutes on Sunday night uh, in New England. All you need to do is win that game. You're in. You're in. They're going to win the football game. But I will say but this. But the bottom line is you're winning in. Nick Bakai. Mm-hmm. Nick Bakai. Yeah, let me give you a little uh, frame of reference. <laughs> Because you wanted a heads to roll. We all felt like Tom Coughlin. That was, he chewed that punter out like it was a high school game. That was brutal. And I love his cheeks getting even redder than you thought possible. Mm. But you want everyone to get fired. You want big changes the next day. Let me reference Buffalo Bills Music City Miracle. Mm-hmm. With tobacco, more like. Uh, that was when Wade Phillips refused to fu- fire his special teams coach. Ralph Wilson wanted it. Wade stood tough. The whole crew got fired. It was the last time the Bills were in the playoffs. The year was 2000. This millennium has been brutal. So be careful what you wish for. And and by the way, that did actually that was the way Worm lost supplanted the Music City Miracle as the latest <laughs> special teams kickoff return right. slash Blunder. punt return yes. to end a game. That supplanted it. You never thought that it could be later than that. Because also think of this too: 
Think of this too. How many scenarios pl ever play out where a team is punting to force overtime? It's so rare. That's a good point. That's you know what really I mean? like unusual. Just, just for the mere fact that it ha that Cleveland, it could play out. Cleveland's punted right. for a tie against the Jets in right. overtime. That's true. But, no, no, but it wasn't at the end. It wasn't it, was, it wasn't like the last play it was in the regulation to bring out. It was inside a minute. It was inside. Because like normally 15. if you're in punt formation at the end of regulation, you are uh, going to run back out of the back of your end zone right. for safety or run around for the final remaining seconds to win. Yeah. How many teams are punting to bring about overtime? You're right. It's take a knee or one last pass to try and get in field goal range and then time runs out. You right. never see that. So it's very rare that the scenario could unfold. Every time I'm trying to help you out, where am I? I'm sticking the dagger <laughs> no, no, it's even not, it's deeper. Not, it's not working. It's bad. <laughs> but also, Norwood. I mean, Norwood's sure. the Super Bowl, for crying out loud. You want to I talk know. about special teams meltdowns. I know. And that was a meltdown. That day, I so was at that game. Wipe your tears. I, I was standing in the northeast corner of Tampa Stadium. The sombrero. The sombrero. So my angle to the <laughs> kick, he's hit, he's looking right at me. He's kicking the ball. And the ball, when it, when it, went, up, when it was going up, I, I couldn't watch it. I thought it was good. From my angle, I thought it was good. It was very close. It and was when a it, long right, we missed it by this much. It was longer, not his fault. Longer kick than people remember, and it was clearly one of those situations where one more first down, Bills win. Sure, it's a team loss. And right. you know, the good people of Buffalo chanted his name and welcomed him back because Buffalo is the definition of gut punch. You know, you got to be able to take it and move on. I don't know if that was a. I think an, an angel just got his wings. I was about to say, an angel got his wings, or there's a new puzle uh, for Pat Sajak. I don't know what it is. That, is that your phone that just went off? Is that worm what it is? Might have been. It's a new one. Person, places, and things. The worm, Deshaun Jackson, to, I... and a very angry Tourette syndrome like uh, spewing. Can I? Can I? You are freaking out. Can when I, it was 21 points. Can I go okay, back? go through. Let's I need to go back. Just this go is back. therapy, by the way. Yeah, we don't have a couch back. in here, Nick. Just to go back. Let's let him get it off. Just get the poison out. Okay. <laughs> Ernie Corsi, at the end of the game, when all hell broke loose in San Francisco, and I knew it was a penalty, and I knew this is the wild card game. When you were up by how many at this point? They were up 38 to 20 something. It was 38 to 14. You thought it was over. Whatever it was. San Francisco, it was, it was Mooch points. is out. You knock Mooch out of the play. He's place. out. They're out. All right, it gets ugly. They, it gets sloppy. Whatever. They can't stop T.O. Then Ron Winter. Then Ron Winter and Scott Green, they screwed it up. Whatever. I, Trey Junkin I just put wanted, his mitts on the football I wanted and to snapped take, it long. I wanted to take <laughs> that cord around it and and just strangle Jim Fossil. I wanted to strangle him. Why is it his fault? It is all his fault because his teams had a history of that for many years. But then he won the blowing. Super Bowl. Eventually, he won the Super Bowl. No, he went to the Super Bowl. Right. He went to the Super Bowl. Right. And that was after that. Right. He still wasn't forgiven, by the right. way. So, Ernie Corsi said Bowl, right. his greatest... His greatest regret was not firing him the second after that game. He let it linger on, and they went and they went to pot. So, are you saying you want Coughlin out now? Is that no. what you're saying right now? I'll tell you what. I can't. You can't say you want him out. I don't want him out because they're going to win this week. When they win this week, they'll win a, ni a ninth game. They'll probably win a tenth game against against uh, the Redskins. They'll get in the playoffs. And the scenario Maybe is 11, exactly that would be an eleven win season. eleven win season. Mm -hmm. they, they would be. Uh, the scenario will be exactly the same as 2007. They won in Buffalo mm -hmm. in the snow and sleet. And all four seasons in one day in Buffalo in 2007. It, it was sunny. It rained. It sleeted. It snowed. Typical, right? And yeah, but... <laughs> they blew them out in the fourth quarter. They got in the playoffs the week after they played the Patriots in the quote-unquote meaningless game, right? And then they went on and destroyed everyone and won the, won the Super Bowl. Um, but I mean, the, the thing is, you 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 go I don't want these fired. undulations with your Giants. I don't and, want to fire. Yeah, and, and yet you know, along this 
storied trail here, there are Super Bowl wins and Super Bowl appearances. Right, and right. So your highs are high. Right. Our lows not are low. that sort of gray patina November in <laughs> Buffalo life I lead. It is, it's, it, is, it is like the sky. You it's know, like it's, it's like it's the, the meds are working gray. too well and I have no highs or lows. Yeah. What do you think? I'm just here. What do you- <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think of what uh, Chan Gailey is cobbling together, I like it. together? I like you it. You do? I tell you, I was an optimist. Now, the Chan Gailey hiring was not a something that raised your pulse mm-hmm. in the uh, leading into the season. There was that feeling of like, look, we got a good coordinator in Perry Fuel. Why couldn't we just hire Gailey as a coordinator? We'd have two great guys, get some leader, whatever, you know. But I like the Buddy Nick's hire because you I do. Think, really? I love it. No really? shock from both of you. Yeah. Well, first of all, you got to love any GM who says, don't tell me about the labor pains. Just show me the baby. You know what I mean? That, <laughs> that's the kind of quote I like instead of, you know, these kind of calculated Mike Shanahan, I'm not showing my cards. But it's uh, it's like Johnny Nix knows talent, and that's what everything in the NFL, if you care about a team, it starts with talent. Your guys in in the Giants, they know. Oh. Bob, turn that off before we go to the foul again. God, I've been bad this year. Keep going, keep going. No, but, you know, it's all about uh, do you have a guy who knows how to draft talent? The Bills have been terrible. Right. Um, they've had Tom Modrak running their scouting for this lost decade plus, and the number, the first round draft picks that have flamed out for the Bills, and this is following Butler and Polian, where we got it right over and over. So I look at Buddy Nix as an extension of that, a guy who at least can get talent on the roster, and it was kind of a start from ground zero year this year. This year anyway, you knew you had to burn the house down and start fresh. I didn't expect them to be this interesting in the second half of the season. I'm thrilled. Yeah, well, I mean, do you think, is Ryan Fitzpatrick your guy moving forward? By the way, do you know what his nickname is with the beard? Apparently, there's there's two nicknames <laughs> I've heard. No. First of all, there's Fitz Magic. That's a little fey. Don't you think it's a little fey? Mm-hmm. But this is the one I like with the beard that yeah. he's got going on. Yeah. He's the Amish Rifle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that we can roll with that. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's the, the Amish, Amish rifle. rifle. That's what he is. Love it. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I love, I mean, look, quarterbacks take a long time to mature, right? You never know. I mean, this is one that gets you a little nervous. Like, do you really pass up if you have a chance at one of these super stud collegians next year? But, you know, those guys burn out, too. Why not? It, roll with Fitz. The young receivers look very exciting all of a sudden. we got to get somebody to take the quarterback down hard. Here's the ultimate issue. You're playing a division with the Patriots. Yeah, I know. And the Jets have clearly improved. I mean, we'll see how this thing plays out as they can't. Wow, what a win that was in Huge Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah. Sanchez gets it together when you least expect it. You it, know? it that's happened now two straight years. Yep. Yeah. He's so young. He On the road. It came seems out like... as a junior. He's so young, mm-hmm. you know. And I thought Buddy uh, Rex had buried him in the preseason with all the pressure mm-hmm. and with hard knocks and everything. I'm very impressed. Well, I mean, we'll see. There's still more time. He's in He's in Soldier Field. The Bears need that in order to two seed. get the two seed or stay in. They, they, it, you have the scenario. Yes, so. they're already the two seed. If they if they win, yes, they clinch the first, first round, round by. If Philly and the Giants both lose, yes, it's interesting that Philly has to lose since they've already beaten Philadelphia. Well, it just clinches it. I it see just, what you're it saying. Solidifies it. Okay, so that's a big game for the Bears. Mm-hmm. Jets have to go there too. That's the problem with the Bills. Is you're you're. Yeah, I know you're starting from scratch, but everyone else is already way ahead of the game. Yeah, and the Patriots seem to know how to re re build and rebirth themselves, you know, I mean, I, I can't believe how well they're playing this year. I thought the defense would be a liability and they're not great, but they're getting it done. But, you know, it's that Brady factor. I mean, he's just a mad genius. And you look at your division and you just kind of want to wave the flag, you know. And then Matt Flynn almost snaps the, the Brady streak. Bizarre. Bizarre. What was that all about? 
What a game that was. It was a good game. And an alignment, Dan Connolly rumbles <laughs> that at 71 yards. That was fantastic, that was especially fantastic. when he went about 20 Merely trying not to fumble. Well, basically, he was holding a sandwich. <laughs> you know, he had the two hands. Yeah, like his a, eyes were closed, and then he went, "What's I'm in space?" What's but happening? the last, the last thirty, he was holding it like a like a loaf of bread yeah. and a baby. Yeah, he had the, at the tiki, same time. The tiki grip. He wasn't really holding it up. Like, <laughs> I, did, did Dion ask for, it to, for him to hold it up? He should have held it up. He that would have been fun. Well, he, oh. What would have been great is if he Deshaun Jackson the the, the goal line oh, yes. just sort of you know blubbered his way left twenty yards. Did anyone ever ask him what he did? Who? Why he did that? Did he, did he think the time had not yet run out? I don't out? think he's that smart. <laughs> or he thought he was really showboating. Yeah. You're bitter. You're reeked of showboating. You are bitter, Let me tell you something. Nick you know this, man, because we, we all go way back, and we're going to mind. By the way, we are going to go deep into how far we all know one another. Because, Nick, you've been around this program here at NFL Network pretty much since its inception. We're going to go way deep in that. Nice. But this guy, mm-hmm. I mean, you were really on it. On Sunday. 21 points up. No, but when you were beating him, though. When you were beating him. I was, you were screaming invective at the screen. Was, we cannot I repeat what you were saying. Yes, I know. You, you were frauds and yeah, you, they are. you're fakers. They still you're green-wearing fakers. Yeah, they are. How are they frauds? They are. You are what you are in the National Football that. League, correct? And what you they are, are. You are what you are in January. You are what you are at the but end you have to be what you have to be in order to get to January. Oh, no, no. Does no that make doubt. sense? It no makes doubt. total sense. No doubt. I, I got to tell you, hearing about you. It's exciting to me because, Rich, we both have little boys about the same age. Yeah. And I, don't, I, I find I watch my son experience the world fresh. Mm. And I often turn to my wife, Robin, and I say, I only wish I could get excited like that again. You know, just, mm-hmm. it's the gift yeah. of it. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing about your emotions during the game, Worm, and, and I admire it. You've kept it fresh and alive. But when was the last time you were emotionally invested in a Bills game that almost put you in the playoffs? You'd be that it's, again. That's the thing. You'd Nick go McKay, numb. You'd it go will numb. be there again for you. Thank you. It will be there again right, for you. right. I don't know when. I used to be uncomfortable to watch games with. Now I'm just, you know. <laughs> your, your, your three-year-old son may have a child by then. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know hey, when get, it's going to happen. Put Grandpa but... on the rascal scooter and get him in here because the Bills have a shot. Are you referring to Buddy Nicks again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know. 21- but see, you are bitter. And here's the interesting thing is, okay, we, we did this a few weeks ago, Nick, where we, we did this several weeks ago, where we predicted not only the playoff matchups, but also when times. they would be played, the times and the networks. Mm-hmm. We are two wow. weeks, yes, we are two weeks away, and we nailed this one. Although Sean yep. Payton won't want to hear the fact that we think he's going to be the five seed, and he's going to join us later on the podcast. But uh, it's going to be Saints at NFC Drek winner, mm-hmm. right? They're going to be seven and nine now that both Seattle and <laughs> the Rams are six win teams, and uh, you know the Rams and the and the and the Seahawks both can't win out because they play each other in Week Seventeen. And it's not like one of those teams that rallied and is charging down the final stretch. This mm. is just going to be a bad. Team. It's and and the the Niners who got blown out on Thursday night football, and they're going to change quarterbacks again. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are still one game out, and and if there's a three way tie at seven and nine, they're in. So they're still alive. Uh, we believe that that's that's the, that you you can lock that in for NBC that's first the Mike game, Mayock. right? That's yeah. the Mike Mayock Tom <laughs> Hammond game early. Uh, the way things are shaping up right now, I'm going to predict this is the late game again. This is if everything stays the same, which obviously uh, is difficult to predict. Uh, Colts hosting Ravens. Mm. That's your Saturday night albino. 
Collinsworth, a, NBC game. It's a nice piece of football there. You like that one? I like that That'll one. That'll be a huge number. Sure. Huge number. And the reason why it's going to be an AFC game is because CBS has the late windows on Sunday for the wild card and championship weekends. It's their yes. term for that. Fox yes. had it last year. So Fox is the early game on Sunday. That looks to me right now to be Bears slash Eagles hosting Giants slash Packers. See. That's what that's shaping yeah. up to be right now. So your G-Man can get a third bite mm-hmm. at the Michael Vick apple. I can't wait. Wow. God, I can't wait. I can't. I will pay the toll to see people jump off the Ben, off the ben Franklin Bridge to see people jump off <laughs> when they get. You are angry <laughs> and bitter. You didn't get through this. You said, didn't he say at the top of this podcast that he was better? Yes. I was better. I didn't yeah, say you, I, you let better. You put bitter in there as a clarification. It like it. I, I said he was better. better. Yeah, he was like, uh, I'm three days into recovery. You know why? I, here's here's what it is. Because no one on that set on Sunday Believed pays you. attention and believes me. Ever. And I'm always right. You're not always right. 21 up. And I'm screaming at the television. You are. When Selleck scores. And I go, what the bleep is going on? And then that onside kick. And the onside kick when everyone in the, everyone in the building knew it, it was going to happen. It looked like they were roasting marshmallows around the football. <laughs> yeah. As a there, team. Was like, there were 12 <laughs> eagles around the ball. There were only a lot of 11. There were 12. Seriously. It's there was a giant in sight. Yeah. It's true. Because Jerry, like Hoffa was buried right underneath the 40. Oh, right boy. They were afraid. Who? Oh. Listen to, to all the kids and... All and they the can't dreamers tackle. out there. Think about the nine things Special that happened. Teams, right? They couldn't tackle. They couldn't. They ran a blitz on the final on the final oh, drive, boy. a double corner blitz, and Ross takes it inside. Besides taking the outside angle, well, and like, he runs for forty on the, a third and the twelve. The year that Eli took them all the way, and you mm-hmm. won. How were you feeling at this point that year? Because they didn't look like a Super Bowl. After team. we beat the Bills, I was like, "This is great. We Thanks beat the Bills." That up again, by the way. Sorry about that. <laughs> you guys weren't very good that year, anyway. Um, <clears throat> I knew the Giants were going to be a factor. I was. We did a game. Mm. That was our game. I'm on the field watching the game. Even when they lost, they go, "This place is buzzing." Mm-hmm. I saw in their faces on the sideline. They're not happy. Unbelievable game. I knew that was they a- were going to make a run. I didn't know if I, I didn't think they were going to go all the way and do what they did, but I knew they were going to. They were serious. Business. One of the best regular season games I've ever seen. Yeah. Both teams had already clinched everything possible Just with played a, it like, with a regular season, it was awesome. undefeated season on the line. That was unbelievable. We were there. We were there. It was unbelievable. And the last, uh, the CBS late game on Wild Card Weekend looks like right now Jets at KC slash San Diego. Hmm. That's what that looks like right now to me. Now, it is possible that the Jets do. You don't want that. It is possible for the Jets to wind up being the five seed if the Ravens supplant the Steelers. And the Steelers who have clinched, it was fascinating, a half an hour after they lost to the Jets, my producer gets in my ear, we're on the air live for NFL Game Day Highlights, saying the Steelers have clinched uh, due to strength of victory. The number crunchers who were sitting there Mm -hmm. on this late Sunday night and and the (laughs) league office in midtown Manhattan came up with that scenario. So the Steelers are in. They could be in as a six seed, which is the seed from which they won their first Mm Ben Super Bowl. So um, it's possible that the Jets could wind up at Peyton Manning. And I'll tell you, to paraphrase Rick Pitino, Curtis Painter ain't walking through that door. (laughs) Should the Jets find themselves in a crucial game in that building again. And the the Jaguars. I mean, and we we have this sheet right here, Nick, uh, that we get every uh, week this time of year from the league office about playoff clinching scenarios. I think in the seven years that we've done this, and Worm, you can back me mm-hmm. up on this because you've been here every step of the way. I don't recall we're getting these scenarios one week 
and a team is winning in like Jacksonville was last mm-hmm. week, all they had to do is win four more quarters over Peyton Manning and they were in. Uh, I don't recall where they're winning in one week and then the playoff scenarios come out the next week and they don't have a clinching scenario at all. Wow. As the Jacksonville. I mean, that can actually happen. A missed too. opportunity. There's no Jack. There's no playoff there's no clinching scenario for Jacksonville. But, no, but what I mean is there- coming into this week and in the AFC, Patriots can clinch home field throughout. Steelers can clinch a first round by Chiefs can clinch the AFC West. Ravens can clinch a spot and the same with the Jets. And there are no Jacksonville playoff clinching scenarios right. whatsoever. Right. But and they could, had it right in their hands. And 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 how how hard they play the Colts have always right always played even when it looked like they should have been blown out. They they have, you can tell there's a great rivalry there. It's, so it stings extra. Too many mistakes. Yeah. So sloppy. Garrard overthrew yeah. uh, a wide open receiver for an interception. They go for it on fourth and one from their own thirty nine at the start of the third quarter, and apparently Garrard's headset went out, so he didn't hear. That if the sneak is open, take it. Wow. Mm. And the sneak was open, and he thought that the play call stood regardless. It was like, here's the pitch. Take the pitch unless you see the sneak. Sneak was open. Maurice Jones drew. Yeah. Saw the sneak. I guess he didn't think the pitch was coming to him. It boom, bounced right off his chest. Donald Brown goes the distance two plays later. Yeah, And, and Jones drew, who's been playing great. Lights out. You don't think of the Colts as the team that's going to bottle him up. That's really impressive. Unbelievable. So now the Colts have the control of their own destiny. The Chiefs with a big win in the Rams uh, with Castle, you know, minus his appendix. He's, by the way, now 1-0 in his career without his appendix. <laughs> that? Take that stat. Oh, I'd say 1-0. Take that stat and now, make something that 1-0 out without the gallbladder, that yeah. would be something. There huh? you go. Every week a new sort of marginally necessary organ. This, there's out. a line. Bobby Lane, I bet she was like, like, he won many, many football games without a liver. So, true, okay. true dad. <laughs> so the Chiefs can clinch the West, and, and San Diego just needs the Chiefs to slip up just once. And they win out, and then they get in the, the playoffs. Those are the, the scenarios. Uh, just to wrap up the, the playoff clinching scenarios, the, the Eagles can clinch the NFC East and or a spot. Uh, the, char- the Bears uh, can clinch the first-round bye. Saints, all they need to do is beat the Falcons mm-hmm. or have Tampa Bay lose to Seattle. They are in. Giants, all they have to do is win. The Jets, interestingly enough, in the AFC, clinching a playoff spot, they either have to beat the Bears or Jacksonville lose at home, but they're playing Washington. Not happy. And the Rex, the Rexkins. And uh, Indianapolis <laughs> at Oakland. Don't sleep feisty, on that game. Feisty. Don't sleep on that game. Feisty, no. feisty, feisty right. eye patch. No doubt. Tom Cable has those boys playing hard. Yes, he Four does. Four quarters. Yes, he does. He does. Um, we're going to take a break and talk to Sean Payton. But you guys are coming back. Let's set the table for people. What do you want to talk about with Nick Pakai? You got all sorts of stuff, right? We got all <laughs> sorts of stuff. We've got the Hollywood Fantasy Footballing. We've oh, got That's how we first got you. The Manly. Right? That's right. When we used to have we used to have um a whole bunch of celebrities play fantasy football because we had no we idea had, how to get fantasy football on our air in a watchable way. A list writer in our presence. Yes, we did. A list. Yes. And uh, we have the movie a- Hold on a minute. The mini, the movie Zookeeper. Yes. Coming out next summer. With Kevin James. With Kevin James. And you've already collaborated with him in Mall Cop. That's correct. You wrote Mall Cop for him. That's right, right. Fantastic. And, and you can see the Zookeeper it'll be uh, trailer over. on imdb.com and yeah. various other We'll tease the trailers sites. out there and we'll roll out more, but it's a funny trailer. And the movie came out wonderfully. So He plays a zookeeper. He's a zookeeper <laughs> who is lost in love and gets a little help from his furry friends. Booyah. 
<laughs> so that's the the A list writer with Paul Rudd, A list uh, A list actor, no that? doubt, yeah, no doubt. Jeff Garland, Jeff Garland was in the Hollywood Fantasy Football yes. League. Remember the year Rudd appeared via computer from yes, London? Ojo. Ojo. Draft Ojo. Yes. three thousand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and with you, Nick Bakai, I'm going to do this. I want to do this. Uh, I've known you for a long time. We have our rescue dog because of you, basically. That's nice. My wife and I, when my wife and I were looking at uh, a dog, we're wondering, do we do it? Do we not? Because we just moved out here. We ran into Nick and his lovely wife, Robin, at Nate Nows. I remember it. Fabulous delicatessen. <laughs> we saw you. We had just moved out. You're like, go get the dog now, which yeah. we did. We yeah. couldn't be happier. And people out there should rescue. I'm with you, Rich. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> Nick Bakai and the worm who is settling down but still quite bitter. If I, may, not done yet. if I may quote you directly, you will pay yet. the toll to watch Eagles fans jump off the Ben Franklin Bridge. Yes. Quality bitterness from the worm, but uh, let's get to our first guest from the football field on this podcast. He is the Super Bowl winning head coach of the New Orleans Saints with a pretty darn big ball game coming up in week 16, Monday night in the Georgia Dome. He is the Again, head coach of the New Orleans Saints, Sean Payton, joining us here on the podcast presented by Papa John's. Coach, we appreciate you taking the time. Thanks. Rich, it's a pleasure. It's uh, good to be on with you. I appreciate it. Is this your first ever podcast ever? Have I, you ever done a I, podcast? This is my first podcast. All right. I'm going to be gentle in that respect then. Just, All right. I'm I, a rookie, so be easy on I me. Will, I will. I won't make you sing the fight song. I won't make you do that. Although I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've done the after party with Glazer. So I'm sure you've done, <laughs> you've done the internet thing. I'm sure you've done that with Glaze. <laughs> but, but, but this is the first podcast. Fantastic. So. Great. We appreciate you again taking the time here. It's a busy week for you. I know it's a longer week, but uh, it's an important week. Let's start with uh, the Raven game for, first with you. I'd love to give the fans an idea of, of how this works from your aspect. How soon do you get to watching the film of that Ravens loss so you can find things correctable for such a big game against the Falcons on Monday night? You know, typically, Rich, uh, Mondays in our league are spent on evaluating the game on Sunday. And, and so there's morning time where you're looking at really the game in its entirety. There's a staff meeting that takes place and you kind of review uh, all three phases of the game. And then following the staff meeting, there was a team meeting at one o'clock and you have some general comments about the game and then you break up into segments to, to watch and make the corrections. So I, I would say Monday for the coaches as well as the players is when we put closure on the game. We just played win or lose and make the corrections, and by the time they get out of here Monday p.m., later that afternoon, coaches begin the, the, the next week's opponent. And so uh, generally by 5 o'clock Monday, you put closure on the game. Put closure. So now that you've put closure on it, let's open that back up again. <laughs> what did you see on the film that you find uh, of issue moving forward? Obviously, we're not talking about the final score. Let's get a little bit deeper inside of it. What, what do you think you need to correct coming off of that game? Well, there, there's a couple things that, that stood out. Number one, there was a way in which we wanted to play the game. We felt like going in we wanted to uh, up-tempo that game, spread, spread Baltimore out as best we could, and, and throw it quite a bit, which early on we did. Um, when you do that, though, that, that can put stress on your defense. And... Baltimore early on came in, I think, with a plan of, of really trying to establish the running game. And we scored first, and then they were able to come up with some big plays and answer 
really with three touchdowns in that first half, which put their lead 21-7. to We followed up right before half with, a, with kind of a two-minute drive that led to a touchdown. And so at halftime, it was 21-14. to um, You know, there were some, some missed tackles defensively. There were some big plays they hit on us. Uh, they converted on some third-down plays that resulted in touchdowns, a third and 10, a third and 7. And so in the second half, uh, you know, we, we kind of went back out. I thought defensively we played better. Um, offensively, we managed to tie the game at 27, and we just weren't able to hold on uh, to the lead. So I, I think as a team, when we watch the tape, we, we, we all recognize that Baltimore is a good opponent and a, and a team that uh, I'm sure we'll see in the postseason. Um, but I think it's also a game when you watch it, you feel like there's some things, a lot of things we didn't do as well as we would have liked, and, and, you, and you credit Baltimore for creating some of that. Ray Rice had a, a tremendous game. Um, he's a very talented player, both as a runner and, and even more so as a receiver, and I think uh, we saw that in our game. But um, So I think when you're able to point those things out to the players and, and, and tangibly you can, you can look specifically at plays and plays that turn the momentum of the game, uh, I think you do that when you win, and I think you have to do that when you lose. But the, the bottom line is, even though you did lose, you are still a defending Super Bowl champ with 10 wins and a win-and-in scenario for you this week. You beat the Falcons, you're in the playoffs, and you could still win that division as well. Uh, what are you telling your players prior to such an important game, Sean? Give me, give me a little preview of the conversation you're going to have with your team this week. Well, I, I think it starts with... Uh, you know, with with a division game like Atlanta, and and you look at Mike Smith's team, they've had an outstanding year. When when you really go back and, and follow their wins, we had a hard fought game against them. It went into overtime the last time we played them, which was earlier in the year. But in the division, both teams will know each other fairly well. So a game like this on Monday night is is going to come down to the very little things, and and that is ball security. Uh, it's taking advantage of your red zone opportunities and, and finishing in the fourth quarter. So uh, for a Monday night game uh, in, in the division with so much at stake, uh, I think the players understand the importance of the game, and now it's, it's really into uh, the game plan itself, and, and let's make sure we're focused. Uh, the challenge always with a game like this right after Christmas is managing uh, – Managing the holiday, yeah. you know, and, and that's not, uh, it's not a very holiday-friendly sport. You know, we played on <laughs> Halloween. We played on Thanksgiving Day. You know, Christmas falls on a Saturday, and I view Saturday as red zone goal line short yardage. So uh, I, I think balancing that schedule and making sure that uh, the plan that's in place is, is uh, well thought out that the players understand what we have to do to, to beat a team like Atlanta who's playing very well, and, and especially on the road with the crowd noise and all the other things that go into a, a Dome team playing uh, at home. And plus there's the added distraction of the Cowboys-Cardinals game on NFL Network Christmas night as well. I mean, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, right. that's must-see television, including that's our right. pregame show that I know that you're out there watching. Do you, give, do you give Christmas Eve off to your guys then? I mean, how do you, how do you factor that into such an important week? Well, I, I think this week, because, of, because we play on Monday, it actually, uh, the schedule actually helps us. Mm -hmm. uh, we won't practice tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow will be another day where the players are away from the office. We're on game plans. Uh, so when they come in Thursday, that would be what normally would be a Wednesday uh, 
base first and second down installation of what we want to do in the game. And then when they come in Friday, uh, again, early morning meetings, it'll be a third down, nickel, two-minute install. And after Friday's practice and after the tape they watch, most of the players will be out of here by uh, 5 o'clock. There you go. And so uh, there, there's... There's three traditions you find. You know, there's, there's the Christmas Eve tradition for some people, the Christmas morning and the Christmas evening. So the schedule sets up where really Saturday we just back up our practice time and our meeting time to 12 noon and, uh, and, and try to free up those hours with, uh, with the players and the coaches with their families in. How are you going to rattle Matt Ryan's cage? At what point do you sit down with Greg Williams and have that discussion? Well, I think the challenge with Matt Ryan is he does such a good job of getting rid of the football on time. And, and so uh, he's, he's someone that's very difficult to sack. They do a great job with their protection schemes, and he gets rid of the ball on time. So uh, oftentimes you're going to have to look at, at, at coverages that hopefully can make him hold the football. Um, they've been very efficient, very well balanced, both in the running game and the passing game. He's got a number of targets. Uh, aside from just Roddy White and, and Tony Gonzalez, you know the backs are playing very well. Schnelling's back in the lineup, and you know he's quietly a guy that, if you look at their season, uh, Michael Turner certainly jumps out at you. Gonzalez jumps out at you. Roddy White jumps out at you. But boy, the two or three games that we watch them play, you know, all of a sudden on a third and eight, the ball's dumped down to Schnelling, and, and he comes up with a big conversion. So there's a lot of weapons to defend on their offense and it starts with the quarterback and uh, and not a lot said about their defense but they're playing very well opportunistic and, and keeping teams from scoring if they get in the red zone how much are you going to use the previous season uh, the loss to them this season I, I think the tapes tape work starts with that game uh, and and we'll even go back and look at both games a year ago you know there is a lot of familiarity because it's a division opponent with the same coaching staff and a lot of the same players in place just as I'm sure Atlanta will do. You know, you'll look at the games last year. And at this point in the season, you've got a large film vault of all the games that have played, have been played. And, and then it becomes really trying to look at like teams or teams that you think uh, that you would be most like and, and then pay attention to that. But just from a, a standpoint of personnel and scheme, both teams will know each other fairly well in regards to what each other wants to do uh, on all three phases of the game. It, many people believe you and Breeze share a brain, Sean, that uh, you guys could be, in terms of an offensive-minded head coach and a quarterback, the best uh, prepared and best uh, tandem to execute on game day. I'd love for you to give the fans an idea of how much uh, conversation you have with Breeze throughout the week and, and if you do believe the two of you do share a brain. Well, you're, you're always hoping that in an offensive plan that the quarterback uh, is is on the same page with the coaching staff, especially at this level, you know, he becomes an extension of what we're doing. And you know, it starts as early as today when he's in watching tape of Atlanta and there might be a, just a, a chance for a half an hour discussion as to what he's seeing. Um, he'll have some thoughts initially as to uh, – the, the games he's watched, uh, just as we will as a staff, and, and we watch the cut-up. So it begins that, that really that player's day off, that Tuesday in a normal week. Um, and then, you know, it's an ongoing dialogue that exists 
not only between myself and Drew, but uh, Pete Carmichael, our offensive coordinator, and Joe Lombardi, the quarterback's coach. And then at practice, uh, through the walkthroughs, uh, the individual periods and the team periods, things come up pretty regularly. Well, you, you'll discuss, hey, uh, let's, let's change what we're doing here on the backside of this route. Let's add this. Uh, and as the week unfolds, you get to where the last meeting becomes Saturday night before Sunday's game. And the very last meeting is just a sit down to go through every section of the playbook uh, in the game plan. In other words, there, there's a play action box on the call sheet that might have 12 or 14 play action thoughts, and, and we're going to really prioritize the ones that we feel most confident in, the, one Drew, the ones Drew feels uh, most equipped to handle after the week's practice. And then we go to the drop back pass section, then we go to the screens, we'll go to the third down section of two to three, third and four to six, seven to ten. And so on that big call sheet are all these small sections, much like a menu, and we're going to prioritize basically what we're going to order the next day, what, we're going to, uh, what we want to call early on. And then we flip that call sheet over to the red area, and there's going to be dialogue in regards to plays that, that he feels most comfortable running. And what you hope to achieve through the course of the work week is a clear understanding when the game comes to where he almost can anticipate, and he does oftentimes anticipate what's being called based on all that time you spent in, in what, what amounts to a six-day period. And, uh, and certainly being together, now this is our fifth year, that experience helps. And, and in our league, that's not always the case. Oftentimes there's a new coordinator, there's a new staff in place, or a new player. But, uh, but I think that continuity uh, helps and, and, and certainly helps us as a whole offensively. And it's unfortunate it's all gone to his head, right, Coach? I mean, the Sports Illustrated <laughs> Man of the Year, Super Bowl MVPs, the face of NyQuil, for crying out loud, you know? And you have to keep his feet firmly planted on the ground, right? Spend a lot of your day doing that. Yeah, you know, we watched the NyQuil commercial the other day, and my wife said, do you really think Drew snores? And I said, <laughs> I don't think Drew snores. She said, he can't snore like you do. And I... <laughs> <laughs> so he did his best fake snore in that commercial. I thought he did a pretty good job well, of it. Did. It didn't look like he was interrupted, though. It did seem like he had some motivation to snore. I mean, he did seem like he had some. Well, he's a, he prepares. Maybe he, he did some preparation <laughs> on that, too. But it's neat to hear how, how it, it's just all this preparation that goes into a week. And then, boom, the game happens and circumstances are completely out of your control. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Forget injury was or you saw this past week with the. With the Giants, what happened with them and the Eagles and the punters, a young punter, Matt Dodge, said uh, he, he was a high snap. That's why he kicked it to Deshaun Jackson. You saw Matt Flynn at the end of the game uh, in New England where he played 59 and a half minutes of ball that was beyond his years, and then boom, there comes the rookie. It's just how, how much do you spend trying to prepare for the unexpected, Coach? Well, we spend a lot of times on situational football, and you, you, we find you can't, you know, you try your best to cover everything that can possibly come up in a game. And, the, you know, the one thing we're always uh, aware of is, is finishing games, uh, finishing halves, the, the different situations that can come up in regards to how games, fin you know, how games end. And ultimately, uh, you hope to have a smart team, and, and generally smart players do seldom you know do dumb things and uh and and that you know you, it, it at some point 
they're, they're in a problem-solving mode on the field. And you hope to, as a teacher, educate them as best you can and prepare them as best you can for those scenarios. And winning a Super Bowl this year, again, how, how, how are you trying to keep the players hungry? I know you're, you're a motivational guru. You like, uh, I guess, uh, uh, getting some advice from a lot of the people that you've come across. Who have you spoken to who's won a Super Bowl about keeping your troops hungry and making sure that they're competing for another one and not just laying back and looking at that gorgeous piece of hardware on their hands? Well, you know, that started in the offseason, and, you know, periodically we'll be at league events, and whether it's a combine, whether it's the owners' meeting. Uh, and, you know, I had a chance just to visit with Mike Tomlin over the telephone about some of the challenges the year after, and uh, I, there, there are a lot of ones that are a lot of challenges, I think, that are easy to see in regards to the distractions, the time constraints, how your schedule is affected because you played much longer than, than you normally would. Uh, but, but ultimately, the players themselves and the coaches themselves got to find that same hunger and that same thirst that you had the, the year prior. And, and mentally, that's, that's the big challenge. And I, I think if you have the right leadership, which I believe we do, uh, they, they are able to kind of put that away, if you will, and, and look to achieve more and, and look to do something again that uh, not many teams have done in the history of our league. So uh, certainly it's, it's very challenging. Uh, teams are, are getting ready to play you each week, and, and you go into their stadiums uh, as a Super Bowl champion, and, uh, and you'll get uh, oftentimes their best game. But uh, I think we're strong enough to shoulder that, and, and you know we're going to have a chance to find out here with two regular season games remaining and, and a potential postseason at, at stake. Parcells, have you spoken to him about this subject? Very much so. You know, Bill uh, is has got great insight to the, those type of challenges, having won two Super Bowls himself and, and, and been in a third Super Bowl. And, you know, we talk about uh, just the internal challenges of your staff. And, you know, typically when you have that type of success, uh, you know, there's that human element of, of everyone uh, looking at their, their individual accomplishments. And uh, so managing that is, uh, is a challenge. Uh, Bill's got a great handle on, uh, I think, that human element to organizations. And regardless of whether it's a player a team trainer, a coach, uh, the things that can keep you from winning and the things that give you a chance to win. And so he would be someone on a regular basis, almost a weekly basis, that I might talk with after our game. And he has a chance to see a lot of games and, and just get his opinion on a various, uh, a ton of different topics. I don't know if you saw the documentary on him that we, we put on our network here. It was uh, beyond fantastic. And at the, I, did you see it? I saw it. It was awesome. It was great. I mean, it was riveting. It, it, was, it was fantastic just seeing all the old footage. And we saw you. You were interviewed for it as well, uh, Parcells' documentary. Do you think he's done, Sean? At the end of that documentary, it seemed like he, he had more than that Jordan .001% uh, chance to return. Do you think he might uh, come back to coach one more time? You know, I, I, I don't know, Rich. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think football will always be in his blood, you know, and, and I think that uh, – Right now, I think he enjoys the, the time he has. He, he still likes being in touch with the game. He's very good with the personnel. He studies it very closely. Uh, and so my guess would be that 
down the road, it wouldn't surprise me if he was still involved to some degree. I don't know if that would be as a coach, but, uh, but I know he enjoys very much uh, putting the pieces together, and he understands more than anything else what wins. And, and he can identify players to fit a scheme uh, like nobody else. Last question for you. How's, how's your life changed after winning the Super Bowl? Uh, you know, I think for all of us, but myself specifically, it, it becomes busier. It, you know, this is a, a small town, New Orleans, and so uh, it's a very visible city in regards to uh, where everyone lives. Uh, so the challenges oftentimes are, are just uh, spending family time and uh, alone at a restaurant or family time in the neighborhood. Uh, you know, the, the success we had a year ago and the timing of it shortly after Katrina made, 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 this, uh, made that journey fairly unique. And these fans have been unbelievable here, and, and they've waited so long. So to have that and, and to realize a Super Bowl championship a week before Mardi Gras and, and everything that was written and talked about, uh, I think has impacted everyone's lives here. But professionally, uh, you know, the one thing it helps is it, it really validates your journey in regards to the methods of which we're all trying to work and game plan and train and teach. And, and when you have that success, I think it, it helps uh, validate uh, what you're trying to do. I'm trying to read in between lines what you're saying. So I come to town. I need a table for six at Emeralds. I call you. Is that what I do? You can hook that up. Uh, well, <laughs> Benzel's your Emeralds contact. Oh, is that right? I'll probably get you a better table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll go through PR first, but then I'll go through, I'll go through you after that. Coach, we appreciate the time. Uh, uh, thanks very much. And, uh, and again, I, 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 would, I, would, I was almost going to try and get you to say some bulletin board material for me uh, to, to, to f- fire up Atlanta. It would really help the podcast, too. Uh, I don't know if, the, if you're if you're up for that. Can you give me? There, something? I tell you what, they're having uh, they're having too good a season right now. <laughs> Mike's done a great job there. I, um, there. There's so many things they're doing well, and uh, you that's, know to that's have the terrible su- bulletin board material. That's awful. L- listen, it, I'm I'm not into. I know this is my <laughs> this isn't my this is my first podcast. Yeah, but I'm but not going to be a, not a your podcast first, victim. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your first rodeo. All right, coach. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Sean Payton, everybody. I thought it was interesting just to try and get his mindset as a head coach, uh, as the worm and Nick Bakai rejoin me. I mean, in terms of X's and O's, I mean, Belichick is the master of the X's and O's on defense. I think as far as head coaches are concerned in the NFL today, Chan Gailey aside, Mr. Buffalo <laughs> Bill Fenn, Thank you. Uh, offensively, there's nobody better than Sean Payton. And remember. Nobody can touch him. Remember, Jim Fossil fired him. As, play as a play caller. That's, what that's he all you need to know. That's what you need to Giants. know. That's what he pushed all the chips in the Yeah, he pushed the table, all the chips in the middle. And, uh, and he's well, Mr. When and, Jim and Fossil came here mm. a couple of years ago, and he did some stuff he here He did some us. stuff here with us. Our executive producer. Did we have to keep you away? Did you get, no, a, did we get a restraining producer, order? Our executive producer says, oh. you got to go say hi to him. I go, I can't talk to him. Mm. Did you not? You were not able I to say would, I would not. I said, I can't do it. I may have to. I'm serious. I said, I can't do it. I'm sure he's a very lovely man. Oh, man. I couldn't do it. I just don't. I, no, stay away. I'm like that with away. Marino. But I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. beat Marino a lot, though, you man. Me, you and me both, man. As you, a New Yorker. You he, beat Marino a lot. Hey, but I in know, terms but, of ripping out, heart, ripping out hearts and showing it to you pumping, yeah. damn Reno. I mean. Yeah, he guys not make you nervous through the last snap. You he never forget those guys. I mean, as, as they showed on Monday Night Football last night, Favre has virtually every record oh, for quarterback yeah, on Marino. Monday Night Football. Except for. 
Marino. All three categories. All three major categories. That's right. That's right. And Marino, you know, I mean, yeah. we're, and we're going to have Mike Tirico on next uh, on the podcast, the uh, voice of uh, Monday Night Football, who you work with uh, back in the day at Bristol and yes. also this past, uh, this summer, past summer at the, the World, World Cup. Cup. Yeah. He's the best. He's yes. a Rolls Royce. He is. He's a Rolls Royce. He really is. When he drives the car, you feel no potholes. It is. <laughs> it's sailing. He's really the best. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, let's get to this. I have in my hands... <laughs> Do we want to do this? Way? We want to do the Hollywood Fantasy Football League first. Let's do the Hollywood Fantasy yeah. Football League first. What are your recollections when we brought Nick Bakaya in? Um, it was such. A, it was such a. a the group was mm-hmm. hilarious. It was pure comedy, and the Urkel here was the best. That was year two when yes. we had uh, just good TV. We had. Uh, why am I blanking on Urkel's name right uh, now? Uh, Urkel. It, oh, geez, Jaleel White. Jaleel White, and and. You were always nice. Jaloon. You were very nice. Well, Nick, you're you're your saint. You're Saint Nick. But you know, also always Garland. You treat, you treat everyone. You come to these things as a talking cat. You pull your punches. You know, just what am I going to do? He and Jaleel and I were both TGIF staples. Is that right? Sabrina right. and uh, forgive me. What was the name of his show? I can't remember. The Urkel Show. The Urkel yeah. Show. Yeah, we uh, were both. So I'm not going to. You know, listen. Right. You don't throw stones. Family, family matters. matters. Family, family matters. matters. Sarah Young getting in Thank our heads you, right now Sarah. from uh, from the other side of the glass. I'm having a hard time remembering yeah. my phone. You know what I saw days. the other night? I saw your Seinfeld appearance. Oh, nice. Which, which episode were you That's, on? That's uh, the smelly car, where they valet the car, and Elaine's hair becomes infested with the valet's body odor. And you're you're, one of, you're Elaine's boyfriend, right? <laughs> yes, and that uh, yeah, and, uh, and it doesn't work out because she can't get the smell out of her hair, and we're hitting it off otherwise. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That was great. That was when um, sounds like my dates. A pretty early job in L.A. And I remember when mm. I first started going out with Robin. She said, "You know, I've never dated an actor. What's it going to be like when you have to kiss somebody?" And I was like, <laughs> "You're adorable. I mean, I, no one's asked me to kiss anyone ever in any <laughs> entertainment. You know, God love you." And that was one of those days. Where, you know, it was back in the early struggle, and I came home with good news, bad news. You know, good news got a gig on a popular television program. No doubt, bad news. You got to make out, make with out on the couch with Elaine, with Elaine until you smell her hair. That's right. Then things go south. Then it becomes comedic. I saw that just the other night. That's great. And yeah, but Garland was all over. All over him. Urkel. He was oh. calling him Urkel. That's all. He wouldn't he refer to him got, as Jaleel. He almost got up and left. You know what the line I always He almost remember? did. We had to get him oh, and Boreanis. No, Boreanis Bore- almost oh. went. He, he almost tapped out. That's fantastic that the, this thing's supposed to be fun and light in Hollywood. And they're all, uh, the tensions were great. Also, uh, who won at the first Josh year? Charles. Josh Charles was Coy's a tough bacon. cookie, too. Coy's Bacon. Was Coy, why cookie. was it called Coy's Bacon, the because name of his he, team? I don't know. Because I why would he be... Yeah, I guess he grew up as a Redskin fan, but well, no. no, he's a Raven fan. He's a Raven fan. I still get texts from him every now and then saying, "Are my Ravens going to do it this week?" I mean, he's but, diehard. But, 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 I, I did that segment with you uh, where I played the Nick the Not So Greek handicapping the championship Super. game, and I I picked the other team, but I'm doing a bit. I'm being I'm like Yucca, a funny I'm, Jimmy the Greek guy. I got a, an email from Josh afterwards going, "I can't believe you." When it, and I'm he's like, serious. it's a bit, brother. He's serious as a heart attack when from it comes the, to From the corner of Yuck and Pico. Nobody, here are my two favorite, <laughs> here, that's right, that's my two favorite, here are my two favorite Nick Bakai bits in NFL Network. <laughs> One was, uh, was the, what was the name of the meat place again? Oh, Manly House of Meat. Because again, these Hollywood fantasy football <laughs> uh, segments that we want, again, we, we had a difficult time when we first started. We want to get fantasy football involved in our show, but what way can we do it that was entertaining? And uh, we figured, let's have some celebrities come in who are locked into football, we'll hold a draft, it'll be fun, and then each week they come on to talk about their team. Yeah. And they can promote whatever their movies are. You would come on in characters. Right. That was fantastic. So <laughs> you came on once for the uh, for uh, the 
uh, the fantasy football and and the the home of the the mile of meat. Yes. What was that again? What was the name Billy, of it? Billy's, Billy Bob's mile, mile of Meat. Yeah, no, it was, it was. It was. You came on talking about how Jeez, you, I should be able. To, I should be the one remembering this. It wasn't, sh- was it the Manly House of Meat? Yeah, that's right. The Manly it, House. The mile of Meat. It was the Mile of Meat. It was the yeah. buffet. It was the Bob's the Country, Bob, buffet. Bob's country right. buffet. buffet. Home of a Mile of Meat. Of the Mile of Meat. <laughs> and we had a picture of you with all sorts of meats around you. It was great. But none, n- nothing was better than the coach oh, of yeah. Nick Bakai's Love Handles coming on. Coach Squirt. The original Squirt Lurksum yes. appearance was a winner. The second one was a little bit of a challenge. I tried, but the first one was great. I had so much fun doing it. I still get emails from people oh, and, and tweets. People wondering where, what happened to Squirt Lurks. Oh, you came wow. on with a big-ass headset, and yeah. then you had that sort of Lou Holtz lisp. A little right? bit lisp, and, uh, <laughs> and I was also covering my mouth with my, my play, playbook, you know, because I didn't want anyone to read my signals, <laughs> which made for strange TV. And he did, of course, his famous Tale of the Tapes. Oh, yeah. oh, on the sure. Manly yeah, House yeah. of Football. Yeah. And I have one. Ah. You do? Which From was, the Bakai Archives. It, it's, nice. For the festive week that this is, <laughs> being Christmas this week, it was Kickers versus Santa Claus. <laughs> and, of course, my favorite one was Life Expectancy. Kickers, not so much when you miss three short field goals before in, in overtime. That was with the Giants kicker back then. And then Dan Carpenter versus, versus Santa, life expectancy forever, except <laughs> except until the PC weirdos replace him with Pickles, the non-gender-specific, <laughs> religiously vague holiday monkey. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. That is writing, That's, ladies and gentlemen. I beg to differ before we get to, uh, to Rico. Let's get to the uh, – well, let's set this up for, for, uh, for Nick, too. You mentioned Ditka. Yeah, you know, while we're all down memory lane again, uh, this man was a producer of our first segment. If you remember when we first started called Coach Speak, where we had Marv Levy and Ditka doing a segment about uh, who's going to win and who's going to lose certain games, and he That's would nice. he would have Levy and Ditka on the phone throughout the week preparing for it, and they were cogent, they were on it, they were super, super. Mm-hmm. And then they sat down, getting ready to do it, and then this is what Ditka would say. When he sat down. Okay, what are the what are the games? I don't even know the games. Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! I don't even know the games. So now every week that he sets up uh, NFL it's replay, crazy. which he's the producer for, I ask him what's the lineup for for NFL replay. <laughs> Hold on a minute, Worm. I don't what, what what what's coming on this week. Okay, what are the what are the games? I don't even know the games. I don't even know the games. <laughs> well, what are, the, what are the games tonight? We are um, re-airing Tuesday night. That, Tuesday night. Tuesday People night. Sorry, this sorry, sorry. Tuesday. We are re-airing uh, the debacle in the Meadowlands. It's otherwise oh. known as Philadelphia's stunning, potentially Super Bowl spurring last second miracle in the new Meadowlands. Yeah, actually, you know what it's being called? Uh, um, the one point six billion. You know how dump? how how Pacharchik was called the fumble. Yes. This is now being called the crumble. Have you heard that? Oh, that's Ooh. funny. <laughs> oh, okay. So hey, that's a must see. It's a must-see. Oh, yeah. For, for it only some. went to half the country. It only went to half the country. All right. So that we're rearing in its entirety. In its entirety. They're, they're, it's I a, wish we had your soundtrack. That would oh, be great. I'll tell you what. That I will wish be we were on wired, the DVD. You were wired for sound. What's Wednesday? Wednesday is uh, Florida Lee at Poe. Nice. Saints at Ravens. Nice. Okay. And at 9.15 is the Green Mechanical Bird versus One Sticker. Oh. Mm. Jet Steelers, which uh, darn near both New York teams lost on the last snap, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. 
And who'd have thought that Jet fans would be more mentally put together this week than Giant fans? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's who'd have it, thought it, that? What a disgrace! Oh, I love the NFL week to week. It's so never great. freaking it is unbelievable. How great watching the bad weather games this week! It's great. It I fun. love it. Although I, I'm I'm hoping for a bit of a. Uh, Summer-like conditions on Thursday night football in Pittsburgh. Just a little bit of an uptick. That's you, all I need. For you. That's the all last I need. Time Just you were three there. hours I'm going to be up. Time, First year we were there in 2006, snow flurries all over the place. Joey Porter came out after the game, sleeveless. Right. Fantastic. It, nice. but, but, wasn't it like two or three degrees there one year? It was freezing. Yeah. It was freezing. Good to see you, Nick Bakai. Always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on and giving us that, uh, that oh stuff, my God. that, that and, roast yeah, stuff. Thank you for giving me a forum so the world might hear some of it. I love it. Mm. I love it. Zookeeper coming out with Kevin James next summer. That's correct. That you've written, and I, I hope they do see a mall cop, too. I know that may not be. Oh, I'm all for it. I'm throwing that out there. I'm with you, brother. I'm throwing it out there, and we'll also follow you on NFL.com as well. Worm, see you next week. We're going to see you next week. <laughs> Big announcement. We're going to see you next week for a huge announcement, right? Right. Huge announcement. We're teasing next week's show. Let's get to Tariko. He's calling the big game that we talked about earlier on the Rich Eisen podcast with Sean Payton, the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. It's going to be the Saints at the Falcons for a ton of marbles in the NFC South and also for the NFC overall in the season finale of Monday Night Football. The voice of Monday Night Football on ESPN, Mike Tarico joins the program. Mike, how are you? How do you get all these guests? Is it is it because I have my own podcast, yeah. our little ESPN dot com thing? Yeah. Do you do you get these guests because like they're forced to because of the association with the league? Do yeah. you strong arm them because of your friendship? How do you how do you do this? Well, actually, Mike, if if you've asked me point blank, I'm just a popular guy. <laughs> is that I'm just, it? Yeah, I'm likable. <laughs> I'm popular. I asked you. I asked you uh, a few weeks ago. You you gave me a couple weeks yeah. in which you could do it. I said, "Let's do it," yeah. and then you said, "Okay." That's true. The, the only week I had to blow you off was to go to a Syracuse Michigan State basketball game. See, so now, did you did you call that game? No. Went as a fan. When, actually, my our our closest friends at home. My wife's a Syracuse alum. Our closest yes. friends at home are Michigan State alums. And we took them. We took them to the game in New York uh, as a birthday celebration for a couple of us. And our um, our bet was a great bet. Great bet with friends. Mm-hmm. We bet that the loser has to fly the flag of the winner ah. for a week in front of their house. And? Well, let's just say that there'll be a big orange flag hanging up in front of their house for a week. And, and you know, there's nothing like bets quite like that. See, now, unfortunately, uh, that's no way I'd ever take a bet like that. <laughs> With the Michigan Wolverines right now. That's right. You know, and uh, it's Mariucci has been in my face talking about how there's some sort of clock that's been counted on the East Lansing campus. The amount of days that have passed since the last time Michigan had beaten Michigan State in any of the major sports. Oh, that's true. And uh, the big the big uh, ice hockey game that attracted 100,000 people finally stopped that clock. Wow. That's that's pretty. That that is actually it's one of the great things. And. You know it from talking to the guys around the league. It's one of the best things. When we go to visit teams, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many people have done this on your podcast, but when they do the, do the games, we go in on Saturday. Most of the other crews will go in on Friday. We spend Saturday with the home team. Sunday, the road team comes in, and we visit with them, and then the game's on Monday. And those Saturdays, being college football Saturdays, you always get guys from big schools or big rivals like uh, Florida, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, USC, UCLA. When those games are going on those weekends, it's fun to see the bets that are going on legally, of course, of course. In, in good nature. Yes. Wagers that are going on uh, between friends and between teammates 
uh, trying to set things up. I, I, I love to watch that because that's the one thing of college that does stay with you forever. Forever. Uh, we had uh, Tom Brady on the podcast a few weeks ago because, again, Name dropper. I'm popular. <laughs> right. And Tom came on and said uh, after the Michigan-Ohio State game, he goes to his phone and one of his ex-teammates, who's an Ohio State guy, uh, turned out to be Galloway, just texted him his address. Nothing else. It was just Galloway's address. That's, that's all it was on his phone. That's good. Well, on the, on the rotation of the no, can you guess the 49er quarterback for this week, uh, we came up on Troy Smith a couple of weeks. And uh, Troy was pointing out that David Boss had moved to center. Mm. So we're just sitting there talking. We're talking about the offensive line and meshing with guys because Troy wasn't in their camp. Of course, he was in Baltimore's. And he said, yeah, you know, David Boss, my center. And he just looked at me and said, you know, it's really hard for an Ohio State guy to put his hands there with a Michigan guy <laughs> snapping you the ball. <laughs> Strange bedfellows. Strange. Yeah. But speaking of, of rotating quarterbacks, you guys stepped in it this past Monday night. I mean, when Favre all of a sudden goes from out to in, uh, that I mean, that's an early Christmas present for the for the worldwide leader right it, there, it, and, and and for all of us because you know it, it, you sit there and you go you know you your heart is telling you this is it he's done, but you're now you're sitting there you're flashing back I remember being in my office in my house watching the Favre game at Soldier Field mm-hmm. where I, where John Madden was almost crying and it was when John was doing the games with Al on Sunday nights. So he, he was done then. Well, he was well, crying. He was, he was crying with Andrea Kramer after the yes, game. Yes, you're thinking I've seen I've seen this movie five times, <laughs> but you also want to pay respect to the moment that if that is the last moment that he's on a football field, that you document it properly. And the, the backstory is really interesting, Rich, because um, the, the commissioner, who I've said this other places, I love what he does because he is a 21st century commissioner. He gets to places. It was important that the commissioner was at this bizarre game in Minneapolis. Not only was he there, he was sitting outside. That, that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. You need to be a real person in the job, and I think Roger is as much as any of the executives in any sport. And the commissioner has a press conference, and a lot of the Chicago media were asking, what does it say about the whole injury report list that a guy is listed out on Saturday, but he plays on Monday? Well, luckily, we were there Saturday, and I saw this with my own eyes. We were at practice. Favre tried to throw a few times before practice, and he couldn't, and he shut it down. And Brett, in the Saturday practice, was on the scout team playing Lance Briggs for Joe Webb. And no. For those who don't know, the scout team, those guys just run through where the guys are in position and how they, what, what the defense is going to look like. Nobody hits, nobody tackles, but they, they just run through. And Brett had 55 Lance Briggs jersey on. And you know how the linebackers run up in the gap and they kind of look like they're going to blitz and then they back out into coverage? He was doing everything Lance Briggs did. And there was no way on earth that he was going to play. Sunday at the walkthrough at the stadium, they wanted to check out the field. He didn't do a thing. There was no way he was going to play. So what happened? He just decided he just woke up Monday morning and calls. calls. I, I heard he, he, he I, I think he um, he sent, like, Leslie Frazier a text message saying, I'm, I'm in if you need me. Yeah, and, and I, I, bet you, I bet you he's sitting, sitting there in Minneapolis. He's hearing all the weather reports. He's looking outside. He's seen the, seen the, uh, the plays, the first 15 plays. You've got a whole bunch of runs planned in there because you're going to protect Joe Webb. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And you're looking outside. You're looking at the snow. You're hearing outdoor game, Minnesota, the Bears. And he probably he probably said, as only Favre could, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then right. there he was. There he was at 6 o'clock trying to throw. And he's going out there like, what are you doing? And I, you know, 
Well, I he, don't know. What he probably did was he just huddled up with Ed Werder <laughs> and and had a conversation. I I, I uh, put out on Twitter a few weeks ago when when uh, when Favre basically told Ed Werder, "I'm going to play in New England." And I'm getting on a plane right now, even though it was up to Chile, I guess, to whether or not he was going to play. Right, right. I, I sent out on Twitter that I have uh, told Ed Werder that I am going to host NFL game day morning tomorrow, despite my, my <laughs> sore my sore arm. So, so he, God, I, God bless their relationship. I, I honestly, I, and, you know, Brett, let's just say this. For all the drama that he brings upon himself, mm-hmm. he delivers. I mean, the, the first drive of the game. You Monday thought night. you had something there, didn't you? you uh, we all did. We're sitting there. I'm emailing, I'm emailing our, our executive producer uh, who emails me. This guy's got to keep playing. I mean, we all thought something was happening right there and then. Well, to, I honestly think about he gets hurt in the Buffalo game. He hadn't practiced that much that week leading up to it. So you, you go to the Buffalo game, it's 15 days. Percy Harvin was out with migraines. He missed the couple of weeks before that. So after three runs, or four runs, I guess it was, Favre goes to pass, and he throws a ball to Percy Harvin that you have about, you know, like the size of a silver dollar to get past the defender and a place where Harvin can catch it. And they do it like they've been doing it for 30, 30, 33 or 34 consecutive days. And at that point, I go, this guy really, he really is unbelievable, his ability to do it. But what kind of came to roost was the problem the Vikings have had, why they've gone from a substitution foul and then a pick from the Super Bowl to this awful season, their offensive line. I mean, you know, Dreadful. The, the, the rookie Wooten from Northwestern gets right past McKinney. McKinney's had a bad year. Hutchinson's out. Done. They, they have not. You know, the, the center. The center's got some Chuck Knobloch, Steve Sachs issues with shotgun snaps. It's about <laughs> it's about a half dozen here in the last three weeks. They're worried that it's mental, not physical. And it, and all of a sudden, we've seen this team that was really within two ridiculous mistakes of a field goal attempt to get to the Super Bowl, to now where, Rich, on January second, their season ends in Detroit. Mm-hmm. On Jan three the state legislature begins their session in Minnesota. And I think it starts the most important offseason for the Minnesota Vikings that they've ever had. Are they going to have a stadium? Indoors, outdoors, or no? Is the state ledge going to do it? Who's going to, how are they going to run their organization? Are they going to put one guy in charge or keep this triumvirate triangle of power they have? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be their head coach? Who's going to be their quarterback? And you say, well, that's a lot. Well, think about it. What do the Patriots have? They've got a stadium with great real estate around it. Unbelievable what they've done there. It's the best thing going in the league. If people haven't been there, you've got to do it. They've got such great structure in the front office as they keep the personnel department with another young, exciting guy, and Belichick's pulling all the strings. They've got a head coach who gets it more than anybody else in the league, and they've got as good a quarterback as anybody has. So you've got those four things that are hard to do, and Minnesota's got to find all four of those here in the next year, and that's a really, really deep hole they're digging out. Super point. No question about it. And, and, and it, what a big game it was last night, as you mentioned, with the Bears, the NFC North. Uh, title on the line and Favre coming back, but you know when I knew it was a big game, Mike Tirico. You know when it was a big game? When? When I saw Gruden go c- camel hair on me. <laughs> it's cold. Gruden went camel hair on me. Now I don't know. I don't know if you made it to the fourth quarter. Oh, I made it to the got fourth quarter. Got a little. Quarter. He went the full. Yeah. The full. The full winter deer hunting hat and the Tennessee orange parka. So you don't. You don't close the window. There's not even a conversation of closing the window. No, never. Never, never, no. You can't. You can't. If you do, turn your headset in. You're done. That's it, right? You to can't. Me, to me, if, if if you can't say now, is it? Look, you're colder if you're Michelle or Susie. Of course, you're on, on the sideline. But you know, people say, well, you're in the booth. It's not bad. Yeah, you're closed on a couple of sides, but it's it's the equivalent of take a 25, 20, 15 degree day, whatever it is. 
open the sliding door to mm-hmm. the back deck or the porch or, or the hotel room and just stand there for six hours in front of it. <laughs> it gets cold. Now, <laughs> believe me, I'm out there on Thursday night yeah. football. Dion, fresh out of Florida, he has one of those. He has one of those. Uh, <laughs> Those those hot rockets that they have on the sideline basically fired just on him, <laughs> and we've got we've got we've got blankets we've got all of that. But I just was wondering if you, and and again, now I got you on the phone here because I saw you went with the the ball cap. Yeah, I have an issue because yeah. I need I I need to cover my head and nothing works. Nothing looks really? good. I once went, I once went fedora. Okay. No, no, no. And I got texts from friends watching during it, basically saying, asking me if I was Inspector Gadget or if I was in Miller's Crossing. You know, it's just, I I would love to get your your thought process on this, Mike. There's a point, there's a point where vanity comes to a complete (laughs) dead stop. And and you're not there. You're not there, but you're pretty close to me. When you have a lack of natural insulation left on your dome, Mm. you you need to go. You need to go somewhere. And I just went for the plane out. Ball cap, but but like the, the the department store ball cap, if you will. No logo, warm with ear flaps. Nothing. Ear flaps can come down if you get if you get below zero. Your your wife, who has fine fashion yes. sense, should be able to find you something something. But you're you're done with the outdoor cold stuff for the year, right? No, in Pittsburgh Thursday. Night. Oh, you're in Pittsburgh. That's right. Open oh. end of the stadium because the Steelers don't it's like right. having uh, sets on the field. Right. They think right. they're old school. They 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 that they think fans should come to the game and only see football players on the field, which is that's their prerogative. That's right. We're if, we're on the open end of the stadium on the uh, on the atrium there. If you that's go what. to some fine department store there mm. at the confluence of the three rivers, you will find something that you can do. That's a ball cap with little ears you can pull down. That might be the best way to. Go. I don't know if I could do it. Yeah, I, I might just go. I might. Uh, Dion told me when I when we were finished with NFL game day highlights this week, as his parting words to me were, "Don't even pack a suit. Don't pack a suit. <laughs> right. just bundle up. Bundle up. Bundle up. You know, it, it, I uh, did did a commercial shoot with with yes, Dion. Yes, you and, did. And laughed and laughed and laughed. I, I love being around him. I, you you have great people to be around. We all do. He's the best. And in TV, and, and you know this, but for the people who are downloading this for some reason. Because uh, you know, <laughs> it's popular, Mike. You know, I mean, this is a theme here. I'm sorry. When, when you do one of these things on tape, especially with a commercial, sometimes they like to have two versions to choose from. And they'll tell you, let's do a safety just because, you know, they're really trying to tell you, we think you can do it better. So they just want to make sure, in case there was a hit on the tape, in case there was an error, let's do a safety. Mm-hmm. So we're doing the shoot, and they say, hey, okay, guys, that was good. Let's do a safety. And Dion, like like he said it a thousand times, probably doing all the commercials he's done, turning around, hey, Prime doesn't need a safety. <laughs> Which was the absolute best line oh, I've yeah. ever heard from somebody who said, you know what? One take is the best you're going to get out of it. Hey, I love the guy. <laughs> He's he, great. They really did break the mold with him. Give me a Gruden story because, you know, he worked with us before yeah. he went to you. And we loved hanging out with him at night, daytime, during takes. And I know you had told me something when Gruden was on the podcast earlier this year that he does something for the crew every Monday night football oh, weekend. Yeah. What does he yeah. do? Well, you know, the, it, it, all the crews, and, and uh, you know, if you read USA Today especially, they, they seem to make it at times like this great competition amongst networks. And this, they, there's such a respect for what everybody does sure. because it's not easy. And I think one of the big advantages now of football with HD and, and, and the people who are so serious at covering it, the, the league's never been covered any better. And, all the, and so many people do such a good job. And... It doesn't happen by accident. A lot of the people who work the cameras on the main games you see, the Nance game on CBS and the Buck game on Fox, and 
Al on Sunday night, Bob on, on your guys uh, Thursday or Saturday night, and our Monday night game. Those those directors have meetings with their cameramen before the games, camera meetings, mm-hmm. just to kind of give storylines, things we're looking for, things we're going to be sh- trying to shoot during the game. Well, John comes into our camera meeting, and he gives a speech. And, you know, you, you can never take a coach out of a coach. And it, it, it's kind of like doctor, governor. If you've ever achieved that title once, you, you retain that title for life. And once you're a coach, you're always a coach. So John has no team to coach, so he coaches our team. He, he walks into the, to the camera meeting on Monday <laughs> and gives these guys this great speech. And, and ladies, too, gives a great speech about the history, the tradition. He hits the right note. He hits the right chord. It, sometimes it's, sometimes it's, it's always serious. Sometimes it's poignant. It's emotional. It's funny. Uh, I'll tell you this, Rich. We were both you know, very lucky to work at ESPN in some of the great days of ESPN. And Jim Valvano was there when I was getting going in the early 90s. And Gruden is the only guy who I've been around who reminds me of V. Any room he walks into, he can become the star of the room without being an egomaniac. And it's hard, that's a hard thing to do. His presence is very natural. He tells stories. He's so warm. He's engaging. He, he, um, he prepares us for the game with a tape on Saturdays that he puts together about the other teams. And, you know, you go into the game and every single week, he is right on. You, you kind of see why good coaches are really good coaches because they know it and they can see it on film and they get it, and he does. He's an amazing guy. Mooch is the same way. Yeah. Mooch right? is the same way. We get him before big games to give us a fire-up speech in the room, and he stands up and he gets into it. You know, he moves his arms. He's waving his arms. I mean, these guys are from, you know, Holmgren staff. They go way back, those two guys. And and every time Mooch does this stuff, I see it. You know, see, when we're at the game and we're on the sidelines, he puts his hands on his knees. He starts talking to the reps. He starts getting into it. He gets this eyes in his face. Me, Dion, and Marshall always are joke. We're laughing at him, basically, because right. we see it. It's in your blood, and I'm always fearful I'm going to lose him one day. Yeah, you know and, what? And, and I, I'm wondering if you have the same feeling about Gruden. Of course. Hey, you know, coaches are coaches. And – There'll be there'll always be another coach who's out there who can come in. The, the special part of John is he's a unique guy, and and I hope he stays with us as long as he wants to. When he wants to go back to coach, I, I hope he wins the Super Bowl, and I hope I'm there to cover it because he's be beyond. You know, you have different kinds of relationships with people over the years when you work with them, and John is a friend uh, above and uh, ahead of being a coworker, and th- you know, that that itch is that itch is so hard to scratch for guys who play or coach when there's no scoreboard at the end of the night. You know, you walk mm-hmm. out of there and you don't know if you won. You think you did a great job broadcasting a game, but you don't know if you won or lost. And that scoreboard always told them if they won or lost. And I found that with golf, with uh, you know, Curtis Strange, Paul Azinger, Nick Faldo, working with those guys. Very hard to walk off the course into the booth and not know I shot 64, I shot 65. Or what, what exactly did I do? You know, somebody's going to think I did great. Somebody's going to think I wasn't very good. And in sports, there is no gray. It's only black and white. And so, you know, do I think John will coach at some point? Sure. I, I hope it's five or ten years and not uh, five or ten minutes or weeks, you know. And I, I've, I've said that to him. I said, please, you know, as long as I'm around, I hope you stay because there's, there's no experience like hanging around you. I've learned more about football and see the game forever differently. And, you know, I've, I've heard, I heard Al say that about working with John Madden. And you hear people say that about working with certain partners. They're just unique and special and that's the way I feel about John. How long have you been with the Worldwide Leader now? 20th season. No kidding. Yeah, I started in 91, so by football seasons, this is, 
This is the end of number uh, end of number twenty for me. Who, yeah, it's hard to believe. Who'd you do your first sports center with? Jim Bergamo. Jim Bergamo, Jim everybody. Jim Bergamo, yeah. Jim Bergamo and Montgomery. I did my first sports centers with those guys. I'll never forget. Uh, we used to do Wednesday night baseball doubleheaders, yeah. and Chris Berman would do the Hotel California. He hey, did the West Coast game <laughs> with Jerry Royce. He used to do the game. And in those what was days, Jerry's nickname? Do we? I, I don't Jerry remember. Jerry Rolls Royce. Jerry, Jerry Rolls Royce. <laughs> and and like it, you know, it, and and for whatever reason that night, Bob Lee at that time was doing the late sports centers with Dan Patrick. Mm-hmm. And on some Wednesday nights, you'd get an odd combination of the guy who did at that time the eleven thirty sports center. And one of the guys off the 230 Sports Center. So at that point, the 230 was myself and Chris Myers and Linda Cohen and Carl Ravitch. Nice. And Chris and I were the mostly the regulars. So I got to work early on because somebody was out vacation. Got to work with Bob Lee. And Boomer's doing a Dodger game at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> like he says, I'll never forget. It. Coming up, Sports Center, Bob Lee and Mike Tarico. Welcome, Mike. Bob, you're breaking in another one. <laughs> so I'm sitting there going, okay, great. That's what I am. Another one. Another one. And but then 20 it, years later, look at you now, man. Yeah, but, but it's, it's, been, it's been fun. The place has been great. And uh, as you know, uh, a, a lot of people who've come through uh, move on. But, uh, you know, somebody like you, you remain friends. You, you remain no friends with their family. You get to see them, travel, talk to them. and. And that is the neat experience, and the one common, the one common denominator of the place for a long time. And, and there are a lot of people, as you know, at NFL Network who are ESPN alums. The common denominator is sports fans, people who absolutely love when there's a game on, somebody's keeping score, and there's a story to be told. I mean, shoot, you you worked with me. We did a few sports centers together. Yeah, and you work with my wife. <laughs> Right. She was your sideline reporter, Susie Schuster, for a couple of seasons. For a couple of seasons on ABC. My my wife and I have a child who's technically an ESPN baby. You know, I mean that's it's woven into the fabric of my child. You know what I mean? So uh, it it uh, it definitely did mean a lot. To, when was the last Sports Center you did? Wow! I want to know. I'm you I'm know, betting I've done a Sports Center. No. More recently than you. No, the last real. True sports Full center. On I did. Where you are in the show meeting, you are riding yeah. lead-ins. You are. Yeah, you're, you're you one there. of the two. Yes, right? right. Yeah, the last real sports center I did was somewhere in the last week or two that Michael Jordan was playing for the Wizards. So whatever that is, oh three, I guess. So, uh, 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 my last sports center was May of oh three. Is that right? Yeah. So, so I so think maybe you have me beat. I do have you beat because if it's Jordan's last game in oh three, that would be in April because yeah, they didn't I, make the playoffs. I should know that off the top of my head if it's 03 or not but i think i think that's that's about right yeah i did uh i did an nba studio night uh in his last couple of weeks and uh and <laughs> was it I, nba tonight or what, what was, no, no, it was it was actually hosting in the studio okay and uh and i decided to they asked me if i could do sports center that night when i was in the building anyway because i was doing mostly games at that time and i was glad to do it and there, you know it's very interesting I, I will say this about doing sports center over the years mm-hmm. and now that you are dialed into the NFL and, you know, you know who's everybody's left guard and right tackle and you, you know the league like, like nothing else when you, when you do just the league, when you do sports center, you have probably the highest knowledge of your sports life. No because question. Because you're covering hockey, college football, college basketball. All of a sudden, the tennis major is going to come up and you're going to get Azarenka playing, you know, <laughs> in, in, a, in a women's four-set or, or three-set marathon at the Australian Open, and you better be ready with Victoria Azarenka. How do you say it? Who is she? Where is she from? 
those are the moments when, you know, in covering sports, you know more than you ever know in your life. Is that a real tennis player? Yeah, or did you just make that up? You, just, you could have totally made that up, and I would not have. No, I would, no. I, no, I, no. I've covered a couple of U.S. Opens now the last couple of years. When are you going to sleep? Sleep. Sleep on a regular basis. I know you mentioned you would Syracuse, Michigan State. I mean, you went to that as a spectator, which I'm glad to hear. But, I mean, don't you just want to do Monday Night Football and that's it? Or why? Why? What's why? I, just, I, I love games. I, I love going to games. and be, I, I really do. I, I still have a great desire. Now, I will I will say as, as the kids get older and they're in elementary school, you, you're just – you're, you're pulled back. You don't want to be on the road. You know, every hotel looks the same. There's always a, a key, and you're doing this blank stare at the at the number of lights in the elevator. And you go, I think I'm on 11, but I forget. <laughs> it, all, it, all, it all runs together for a while. But right. uh, I, I I do love this is this is bizarrely what I wanted to do since I was about five or six years old. I wanted to be a sportscaster and. I'm still living my professional dream, and we all know a bunch of people. And, and look at Favre. Favre doesn't want to give up. <laughs> he, he, so, can't, he can't let go, and we still are doing, at least for me, I'm still doing what I've always wanted to do my entire life and doing it, luckily, at, you know, at a much higher place than I ever thought I would. So I, I love it. I want to keep doing it. So, in other words, next time uh, I hear you're out for Clippers at Sacramento, you, <laughs> you could technically, two days later, be in for it. Preferably, preferably okay. Sacramento at the Clippers. I love NoCal, love the state capital, but I hear you. if there's a Clipper game, I actually have the chance of seeing your family and getting yes. you to buy me a, a good, good glass of wine. Which we always do. You know that. <laughs> you are the best. You are the best, Mike. And I'll say this because, uh, you know, I don't know um, how often you get your praises sung, but the bottom line is this. And my, my philosophy is my job is to make everyone else better. That's it. And and you do that with absolutely everybody that you work with. I know it. My wife knows it. Anyone who's ever worked with you knows it. And now the people on this podcast, which is vast because I am popular, <laughs> they now know it. Well, you're, you're kind to say that. It's a true story. Uh, absolutely true story. You're very kind to say that. And I'm, really, I'm proud of what you've done with, with the network, being the face of the network here from – from day one. It, it's fun to watch. I love watching you guys as well on the weekends. And uh, we're done. We're even now. We both said nice done. things by each other. Knock them dead in the Georgia Dome. I can't wait for that game. It's going to be huge. Yeah, merry, happy, travel safe, and all that good stuff. And we'll see you at the Super Bowl. You too. That's all Mike right. Tirico of ESPN Monday Night Football joining us on the podcast. What a fun show. Tirico, one of the all-time bests at his job. Sean Payton, the defending Super Bowl champion head coach, getting set for a big-time ball game, and Nick Bakai and, and the Worm. <laughs> what a classic combination. I hope uh, we didn't offend uh, many of you folks with the, the bleeps, but uh, those jokes are too priceless. I, I'm such a fan of roasts, and, uh, and Nick's one of the funniest guys I know. I couldn't be more appreciative of him coming on. Zookeeper, that's going to be funny with... Kevin James and Nick uh, penning the screenplay that's coming out this summer. I want to thank Sarah Yount for uh, the drum rolls, Matt Lathrop for the bleeps, <laughs> and uh, for all of you for downloading this podcast. We we always appreciate that. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Rich Eisen, Facebook.com slash Rich Eisen. Find this uh, on iTunes and also at my blog, NFL.com slash Rich Eisen. At this holiday time, if you're going out, and getting a pet for your family, please do consider rescuing. Please do consider that because it's not only a blessing and a gift for your family, but you're also uh, giving a blessing and a gift to uh, an animal in need. And I hope you guys can do that. 
We will speak to you next week when there's only one week left in the regular season. This season's flying by. For now, it's the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. Stay listening, friends.